morning, y'all. Today's a special day. I'm glad you're here. Um, the reason it is is because we've invited Mr. Jeremy Bailey to come visit with us about the work he's doing at the Odell McCallum Community Center. Um, I'm excited to visit with Mr. Bailey. If y'all will, welcome him, and, and we're going to hear from him today. Man, Mr. Bailey, me. we really do appreciate your work, and we're glad you're here. Thank you. Thank um, you. Some people may know you really well from the intermediate school because their kids come to see you when they're bad. Well, I, I get some good ones, too. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at the intermediate school? Well, I'm a behavior interventionist and an ISS teacher. Uh, I know a lot of people think I deal with a lot of the bad kids, but I also deal with the good ones, too. Uh, if your kid ever went to school and he didn't want to work or he felt like nobody liked him or anything, nine times out of ten, I talked to him. So everybody? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> so if you got a problem, that you, uh, if your kid got a problem, the teacher can't fix it, the principal can't fix it, usually I come around and I'm Mr. Fix-It, so I do that too. So you're the director at the Odell McCallum yes, Community sir. Center. Um, Tell us a little bit about why you're so passionate about the center. How did it affect your life when you were growing up? Uh, well, when I was about 17 years old, I lost my grandfather, and uh, he meant the very uh, he meant so much to me. He was my hero, and it really uh, sent me down the wrong path. I was sad, and I was doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff, and my grandmother made me go to the Odell McCallum Center to try to get myself together, and I got there, and I hated it. <laughs> I, I hated being there, but the more I went, the more I loved it, and it was a, a great place for me. I met great friends, and I, I joined a Keystoners group. It was about uh, 10 of us high school kids. We basically ran the center. At that time, the director there wasn't too much involved, so we did all the dirty work of keep making sure the kids were doing good, writing grants and stuff of that nature, and I just fell in love with it. And I used to tell them all the time, one day I'm going to run this place. Mm. And just so happened, God worked, and now I'm here and I'm running it. So mm. that's, that's pretty good. much it. So, and I've been involved ever since. Like, I've, I've been involved with it ever since I was 17. And I'm 33. So. Mm. That's good. So most of the time when we set out to work with kids, we learn as much as we teach. Can you, yes, can you tell us some of the things you've learned by working at the center? Uh, I've learned with working with kids at the center that you have to be honest with them. That's the, oh. that's the, that's the most important thing. You have to be honest. You have to show them you care because they really need it. I mean... I know it was kind of hard for us growing up, but it's, it's really tough on kids now. So the one thing I really learned is listen to them, be honest, and make sure you know they care, that you care about them. Mm. That's good. So you're starting the summer program June 3rd. Yes, sir. Describe to us, for people that don't know, what you want to see happen in the kids this summer. What are your goals? What are you teaching? My, I, I don't have big lofty goals. My goal is just for them to come in and have a good time, for them to come in and have a place where they feel welcome, where they feel loved, where they can just come in and be a kid, get a meal, talk about life, play some games, 
you know, if, if they learn something along the way, good. But I just want them to come and have a safe place to come to. Mm. Yeah. So if somebody volunteered at the center, you need help, right? I always need help. I always need help. And that, and that was the one thing that we talked about. And um, let me tell y'all a story. I was trying to buy, I, I just got the job. I was trying to buy a, a car. I was at the Ford dealership. And uh, I think it was Chris. Chris, where you at? Chris Ross seen me out there, and he said, man, I need to talk to you. And he talked to me for a little bit, and we waited. About, uh, and he said he got another guy he wanted to talk to me. And I waited about an hour for him to get up there. And when he finally got up there, we talked for about a good hour or two. And uh, the one thing that we, we really came to is that we need volunteers just to come up and show love. That's it. Just step in and, and talk to somebody. Oh. Ask them how their day going. Oh. Pat them on the back. That's it. I just need you to come up there and show love. Now, we do need donations, too, if if because if, if, <laughs> we're a nonprofit. We always in need of, of money, but we just need volunteers just to come up and show love. Bring your family. Bring whoever. Bring your dog. I don't care. <laughs> and just, just come up and, and show the kids love. Oh, just bring your own kids up there. If you just want to bring your own kids up there, play ball or go in the computer lab and do something, or you have something that you want to do, bring the idea to me, and I'll make it happen. And it could be for my kids, your kids, whoever. But it, it's a community center, and that's what it's for, the community. And to me, the whole city of Wynn is the community. So oh, that's pretty much it. That's right. We feel the same way. So if somebody volunteered at the center, we, we want to be transparent. We want to, you know, be, be clear with people. What are some difficult things you may encounter um, if you volunteer at the center? What are some challenges? I try to make sure there's not any. Because I, I really don't know what I could tell you would be a challenge when you get there. I don't know. But I know if, if you get there and it is a challenge, bring it to me, and I'll fix it. That's what I've been doing my whole life. So I really couldn't tell you. And, and be honest with you, I don't really see challenges. I kind of look over them. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. What are your biggest needs? If you could, if you could uh, express to us your biggest needs, um, what would you say those are? Specific, if you, if you can be. Um, two of our biggest needs. One of our biggest needs is donations because uh, the, the previous people that was running, it's a, they let some stuff go, and we spent over $30,000 $30, in repairs, and we still have to pay on the loan. It's like we owe like $380,000 on the loan. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So we, we always need donations. But the, and I hate talking about that, but we, we do, but... The, the most thing we need is, is people coming in, just showing your face. You don't have to rent the building, which we would love for you to, but you don't have to rent the building or anything like that. Just come up and, and have a good time. We got a playground outside. We got a basketball court outside. If you don't want to come in, just use the playground out there. Just use it because that's what it's here for. Mm. That's good. Is there anything else you want to communicate with us this morning? Any, anything you need to share with us at all? You? You no, go? not really. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not a good public speaker. I just you are a good out, public so. speaker. No, it's not, not really. <laughs> we could take one or does anybody have one or two questions from the audience? And we have the right to shut it down if it's bad. But yes, ma'am, Miss Parker. Yes. How many kids do you see on average Good question. Okay. Uh, when I took over in the summer, uh, we had about eight kids. Eight. 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 That was it. 
And then we got up to about 30-something with the help of Miss Sherry. We got up to about 30-something a day. And then when baseball hit us, we went back down to like four. <laughs> and now we're down to zero, so we have none. But I do feel like it'll pick up during the summer. And even if it don't, that's okay. I'll still be there every day for years to come. And eventually I, I, people will be there and we'll get this thing going again. The summer will be, uh, it, it'll be different. Hopefully, yes, sir. It'll be different. Uh, right now, since I'm with the school, I only open from 4 to 6.30. But during the summer, I will be open from 9 to 4. Now, I say 9 to 4, but I like to stay there till 6 or 7. So but don't tell my boss. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, the summer program is basically it's for from 9 to 1, we'll have kids from ages 6 to 13. From about 1.30 to 4, we'll try to have 13 to 19. And what we do is I have different stations for them to go either play games or um, go in another room and have somebody just talk to them, whatever. And we're going to go on field trips and things of that nature. Just, I don't like to just plan stuff. I'm a spontaneous guy. So whatever we feel or whatever the kids want to do, that's usually what we tend to do. Good deal. Um, we want to pray over Mr. Bailey. Um, here at the bridge, we, we commission people, meaning we, we invite people to come up and lay hands on somebody, and then we ask somebody to word a prayer. I've asked Mr. Frank Wells to word the prayer over Mr. Bailey, but if you want to come lay hands on Mr. Bailey, we want to pray for him. What he's doing in our community, let me tell you all something, the, the people he's ministering to, that's our kids, all right? If they're in our community, they're our kids. And the Lord has made us responsible for him. So I'm thankful for what Mr. Bailey's doing. Thank you. And we're going to pray for him. We're going to support him. So if you want to come lay hands on Mr. Bailey, we're going to pray for him. Mr. Frank, we our prayer. I'd like to say, Mr. Bailey, the Lord had gave you a task. Don't let him down. People are on your side. God planned this for you a long time ago. You was the man. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, ask you to lift this brother up right now. That whatever he faced with, that he go to you. Go to you and you got all the answers that he needs. Yeah. Help, help him to believe in you. And that, 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 that you put him over these children and you love children. And give him the love that he needs for the children. Which we feel like he already has, but you know him. You know his heart. You know it going out. You know it's coming in. Yeah. You know the thoughts. Yeah. And I believe in, deep in our heart that he had the right thought because you put him over these children. To serve them and, then, and, be a, and help them to be a believer in Christ Jesus. That they'll grow up fearing you. Help them to put something in them to let them know that you is God and that you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all thank Mr. Bailey for being with us this morning.
Thank you, brother. Um, so why did I ask Mr. Bailey to come visit with us this morning? Uh, the Lord has a very different ministry st- strategy for the bridge. We're not inviting kids to come uh, to our space. We're, we're sending people out to do children's ministry and student ministry away from our space. So our children's ministry and our student ministry is us leaving here and going out there and ministering to people outside our walls. That's our vision. We're not saying that any other vision is bad. We're not saying that any other strategy is bad. But the Lord has given us a specific strategy, and we intend to stay on task with it. And what Mr. Bailey is doing is very critical to our community. So we're going to support him, okay? You need to know something else. At the end of the service, what's given today in the giving box will go to the Odell McCallum Community Center. So if you put cash in an envelope, that's going to go to Mr. Bailey. Uh, you, can, you can give to the community center at the end of the service through the giving box. Um, I want to ask you to pray about doing that. We want to support Mr. Bailey. We want him to know that the bridge cares and is passionate about what he's doing in our community. Now, there's three things that I want you to know before we move on. and we're gonna, I'm going to be really quick today, okay? So I need you to be, be on board with me. Uh, number one is, I believe in doing overseas missions. I believe in going overseas with the gospel and sharing our faith to people who don't know about Jesus. I 100% believe in that. I hope very soon there are opportunities for us to go overseas. But let me tell you what I don't believe. I don't believe in walking past the needs in our own community to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't believe in ignoring the children that God has placed in our community to go minister to kids in another country. Okay? I believe overseas missions, and I'm passionate and hard-headed about this, our overseas missions, our overseas strategy should flow from who we are here. Okay? This is living on mission. You may not go buy a plane ticket, but this is living on mission. Number two, um, if you go volunteer at the Odell McCallum Center, I'm going to be gentle about this, but this is Mr. Bailey's deal. This is not the Bridges deal. We're not going over there to give him ideas about how he should do things. When I was a farmer, there would be times when we were putting in spills, and when we were putting in spills, we would have this. We would hire a team of guys, and that was kind of my deal. I somehow got on the end of a shovel, but that that was my deal. And you know, I'm kind of a goofy, cut up guy. I like to joke, cut up. But but throughout the day, after putting in spills all day, there would always be this one dude that was like he, he was full of ideas. And, and about 1 o'clock in the afternoon after shoveling all day, I got tired of his ideas. Every year there was somebody. might be somebody different, but, oh man, if they can make a hay baler, they can make a spill putter in her. You know, you know they, all these ideas. And finally I would look at him and I'd be like, brother, let, let me tell you something. I love you, but for the rest of the day, I need you from right here down. <laughs> like, I don't need you to see nothing. I don't need you to hear nothing. I don't need you to say nothing. 
I don't need you to think nothing. I need you to shovel stuff. I need you from right here down. And y'all listen to me. Church people have a lot of ideas of how we can make things better and all that. But that's not our purpose when we go minister with Mr. Bailey. We're doing his thing. We're backing him. We're supporting him. Okay? It's okay if you have an idea. You can probably talk to him about it. But don't wear him out with our ideas. We're going to support what he's doing. We're not going to do our thing. You got me? Okay. Number three, I want to carefully ask you to be a part of what he's doing. And when I say carefully, this is the thing. I don't want to guilt you into anything. Uh, Some people are not gifted or equipped to work with kids. If you don't like kids, Mr. Bailey would probably say, man, would you please stay at home? Like, if, if you don't like kids, that's probably not the place for you. So I'm not begging you, I'm not guilting you into working with Mr. Bailey, but if that's your giftedness, if that's where you see yourself, if you can give financially, I want to ask you to support our friend, Mr. Bailey. He's doing good work. Let's bless him. If you will, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to have a brief message, hopefully. If you got a Bible from over here, it's on page 685. This is what we're going to do today. The title of the message is called Outside the Camp, the Place Where Jesus Is. The out is emphasized in the title because this, you know, we talk about up, in, and out. This is an out. And what I want to do is I want to read the passage, snatch nuggets of truth out of the passage, build on them, build on the points. Each point is connected, and then make a couple applications at the end. This is going to move really fast. I need you to hang in there with me. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 8 through 16. Here we go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, For it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here, instead we seek the one to come. Therefore through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Now remember, these points are going to build on each other, so you kind of have to remember them, maybe write them down. But the first point is, Jesus does not change. That's from verse 8. Jesus does not change. The same Jesus that's written about in Scripture is alive today, and he's no different. You can trust that what the Bible says about Jesus is as true today, and it will be as true a million years from now as it ever was. Jesus does not change. We can trust what we know about him in his word. But here's the thing. 
We need to be sure that the Jesus we know about is the one found in Scripture. And not one that's been informed by a denominational background or by Christian cliches or by church lingo. The dangerous thing is that we can put our faith in a Jesus that never was. I have a background. Um, I have a Baptist background. The Baptist faith has influenced me a lot. Jesus wasn't Baptist. And, and you have, you probably have a specific faith that has influenced the way you think about Jesus. But here at the bridge, we value diversity, meaning that it's okay if we disagree on some small things, but we're going to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is Jesus is king and he reigns. And when he says something, our answer is already yes. We don't ask our Baptist doctrine what it feels. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Yes, sir. Jesus doesn't change. But be sure that the Jesus you trust is the one found in Scripture. Not one that you formulated in your mind. Number two. This comes from verse 9. Jesus is not an argument. So this book... It's called Hebrews. We're not real sure who the author was, but it was written to people from a Jewish background who were coming to Christ. And what happened was they were coming to Jesus and they brought baggage with them. And you know that happens a lot. When we come to Jesus, we bring baggage with us. And sometimes just focusing on Jesus is a difficult thing for us because we have all this baggage we're toting with us. And what these people were doing is they were saying, yes, we need to put our faith in Jesus, but also we don't need to forget about that Old Testament eating stuff. We need to be sure we're eating good food as described by the Old Testament. No crawfish, no pork, and that is satanic. (laughs) They were bringing this baggage with them. And let me tell you something. What, what was happening was, was these people were getting off task. They were coming to Jesus, but the whole deal with the food thing in the Old Testament was distracting them from the task that Jesus had given them. Y'all, there are people out there that Jesus is nothing more than Bible trivia for them. He's a philosophical argument. He doesn't influence their lives. He doesn't impact their lives. But they will argue with you for weeks over whether or not Adam and Eve had a belly button. They get caught up on these, on these things about the Bible... And they, they, they focus on these things about the Bible that are unclear. And it distracts them from the purpose that Jesus has clearly given us. But Jesus is not an argument. 
So I want to encourage you today with that point. Don't let Jesus become an argument. Don't let, don't let it bog you down. And y'all, I'm, I'm much more patient with people who don't know Jesus yet than I am church people on this. Look, if a person doesn't know Jesus and they want to turn the Bible into Bible trivia, I might can navigate that conversation where we get to Jesus. But when church people are all about the Bible being Bible trivia and no application to their lives, I have no patience for that. This means something to me. It's not a trivia game to me. It's my life. And I'm not going to get bogged down in conversations with Bible trivia. I just want to do what it says. I want you to do what it says. Jesus does not change. He's also not an argument. And number three, Jesus is not comfortable. Before I get to that point, I want to go back for one thing that I missed. Sometimes people will, Jesus is not an argument. Sometimes people will uh, make, these, make these claims and they'll, they'll make these statements and somebody will say, that's, that's really deep. I, I want to redefine deep for you today. Deep in the Christian walk is for Jesus to, to say something, to make a command, and me say, yes, sir, that's deep. What we see of Christianity today where we're arguing over meaningless things, that's a thousand miles wide, but it's about a half inch deep. It is not deep. To apply scripture, that's deep. Number three, Jesus is not comfortable. I promise you we're moving on this time. Jesus is not comfortable, verses 10 through 16. The author begins to... um, take this passage and compare what Jesus did on the cross to it, for us uh, to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And what happened was they would kill these animals, they would take their blood to the holy place, and then because they believed that those clean animals were bearing the sin and the disgrace of the people, they would take the bodies of the animals outside the walls. Because those animals now had the disgrace of the people on them. And what the author is saying is that Jesus kind of did that. He was the, the perfect, spotless, blameless lamb, and his blood was poured out, but he was hauled outside the camp because he was declared unclean and unfit for the temple. But then in verse 13, he makes a transition. And he says this He says, So now let us go to him. Outside the camp, bearing his disgrace. That's an interesting thing, and we need to understand this because the author's saying to us in this room, let us go to Jesus outside the camp. Most people, when they think about meeting with God, when they, when they think about experiencing God, they think about coming to church, going to the holy place, going into the worship place where it's declared that this is where we worship Jesus, this is where we find Jesus. But this author is saying, if you want to experience Jesus, go outside the safe walls of the worship place. And he's waiting for you there. 
Where do we go if we can't find Jesus at the worship place? Where, where do we go? We, we go to places like the, the, the Cottonwood Park right down the road, and we, we meet people at Cottonwood Park, and, and we begin to build relationship with them there, and we find out that Jesus was there before we ever got there. And he meets us there. We go and we find an addict who's, who's trouble with drug addiction. And we begin to build a relationship with them. And we find out, you know, Jesus has been waiting on us there all along. And we get to experience him in a different way than we do when we get to come into our air-conditioned, comfortable place where we have walls around us and nobody can say anything bad about us. We get to experience Jesus in a different way because he's been waiting on us at that drug addict's house. If, if we want to experience Jesus, we, we go to places like the Odell McCallum Community Center. Not, not at the church place, not at the worship place, not at the safe place. I expect Jesus to be here waiting on us every Sunday, and I hope he is. But if you really want to experience Jesus, this author is saying, go outside the camp. He's waiting on you there. At your job, at the nursing home, where, where people don't care about the people, that's where Jesus is waiting on you. Because he does care about those people. Yes. You want to experience Jesus in a different way that most church people can experience Jesus, you're going to have to go outside this place. He's waiting on you there. Application. We're moving quick. Application. The application for kids. Kids, listen to me. This is your application. And, and really, y'all, all, all these, these applications are for everybody. But kids, listen to me. Start letting Jesus make you uncomfortable right now. Start letting Jesus make you uncomfortable right now. Jesus is not comfortable. We have done a misservice to those who follow him by being okay with that. Kids, if, if, you're scared, if you're scared to pray out loud in front of people, go ahead and ask your mom and dad if you can bless the food. Go ahead and let him have the place to make you uncomfortable right now. And I'll make a promise to you. As you obey, as you do what he says, it's going to get easier. Maybe, maybe you're scared to go minister to the kid that everybody else makes fun of because you don't know how people are, what people are going to say about you. Your, your friends are probably going to make fun of you, but you can look in his word and, say, and see that Jesus loves that kid, and yes, he wants you to go minister to him. Let him, give him space to let, you, let him make you uncomfortable now. I'm going to get that out in a little bit. Give him space. Let him make you uncomfortable now, sometimes we just have to be honest with Jesus and tell him, I don't, I don't really like how this feels to me, but I'm going to obey you because you clearly say it in your word. Start doing that now, kids, and I promise you it'll get easier. Application for teenagers. Don't let your friends bog you down with arguments about the Bible. I saw this a lot when I was in student ministry, and I still see it with young people today. Teenagers, listen to me. You get, 
You get focused on the things that are unclear in the scripture, scripture and it distracts you from the things that are clear. I, I want to I plant this seed in your soul today. And everybody's really, but especially teenagers. I, I want this to be deep down in your soul. Be most passionate about the things in the Bible that are most clear. Here's what happens. People get bogged down with belly buttons, but, but they get bogged down with, with things like in the book of Leviticus where, where the Bible says don't ever get a tattoo. If you don't want a tattoo, don't get a tattoo. But in that same passage, it talks about these food laws. That's the context of the passage. And, and people will get, will get passionate about Tattoos, don't get a tattoo because one time in the book of Leviticus it says don't get a tattoo. But they haven't made a disciple in 25 years. Jesus is clearly passionate about making disciples. But we ignore that and we become passionate about things, something that's mentioned one time in an Old, Test in, in an Old Testament passage. The enemy distracts us with things like that. We think that the enemy is out to, to get us to kill somebody, and that's when we're defeated, is when we kill somebody, or when we make a huge mistake. But the enemy doesn't need you to kill somebody to defeat you. He just needs to distract you. If you're distracted from the plan of God, from the will of God, you're defeated. He's cool with that. So if I can get you passionate about a about a small thing that's mentioned one time and is really unclear, then you're not doing what Jesus said clearly from his mouth. Go make disciples of all nations. Teach them everything that I've commanded you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Very direct, very clear. Be passionate about that if you want to be passionate about something. Don't get bogged down in Bible arguments where it defeats you. Be most passionate about what is most clear. Last application for adults. The Jesus who made everyone uncomfortable in the Gospels still makes people uncomfortable today. He doesn't change. Obey him in a way that scares you to death and see what he does. Sometimes I think that's why we, we kind of make church the thing that is, is most important about our faith, coming to church, because that's not really that scary. But now you go find a, a drug addict and minister the gospel to him, and that might scare you to death. Find something that scares you to death and say yes to it. Y'all probably won't be this, believe this, but I used to be shy. Um, like I was known as Beth's husband. I didn't have a name, you know. Oh, that's Beth's husband, the chubby short guy. Um, one time, Kirk Owens and I went out into the community, and we were, sh we were knocking on, on doors sharing the gospel with people. And before we left, I went to Kirk, and I was like, look, dude, I'll pray, and I'll stand behind you where somebody can't see me, and I'll go with you. But, brother, I ain't saying a word. Not saying a word. So we go knock on doors, 
and the first person we go to, man, they give their life to Christ. And I mean, we celebrate with them. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Give their life. We're about to sing hymns, have an invitation, that kind of thing. We go to the next place, and it's an old lady that's been in church her whole life, and she's like, oh, I'm so thankful you came. Have a piece of cake. You know, Kirk's doing all the talking. He's doing everything. I'm just praying. We go to the next house. It's an old dude. I'm, I'm praying. Um, it's a great experience. Kirk's doing all the talking, doing a great job. We go to the next house, and I'm praying, standing behind him. The dude probably don't know I'm there. Well, this cat walks up to the door. Kirk knocks on the door. This cat walks to the door, and he opens the door. He doesn't have a shirt on, which is great. He opens the door, no joke, here in Wynn, Arkansas. He answers the door, and he says, Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, let's see what you got now, buddy. I'm going to pray for you big time here. The guy's tatted up, looks mean as a snake, and he says, mm-hmm, and that's the way he answers the questions. Kirk says, hey, man, I'm, I'm Kirk Owens. Um, we're out knocking on doors, sharing our faith, and my buddy Dustin here has got something he'd like to share with you. <laughs> we wasn't friends for a minute after that. Y'all, my knees went to shaking. I mean, I was, I was, I forgot whether I was saved or not. (laughs) I walked through this broken, shredded gospel presentation, scared to death, and I mean in anguish. Jesus, you know, just stumbling through it. The brother, he's probably Buddhist now. I probably messed him up good. And it upset me. But I'm going to be honest with you. I I look back on that moment as a defining moment in my life. And today, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that Kirk said, my buddy Dustin's got something he'd like to share with you. Because it scared me to death that day, and it was painful that day. But today I get to stand in front of you and preach the gospel. And that was a defining moment in my life. The Lord's calling you outside the camp. And it's uncomfortable out there. And if you're not doing something that scares you to death, you're probably not following the same Jesus who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's uncomfortable. He doesn't play by the rules of society or comfort. He calls us to scary places, and he's waiting on us there. Go find him outside the camp. We're going to sing a couple more songs of worship today. Maybe you feel like you're outside the camp. Maybe you feel like you're outside the church circle. Maybe you feel like you don't know who Jesus is. That's not a horrible place to be. Because Jesus is outside the camp. And today, if you want to give him your everything, if you want to make him Lord, come find me. I I can share with you how to do that. Find the person you came with.
It may be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable. But these two words should never go together. No and Lord. We don't say no to Lord. If we say no, he's not Lord. If we say Lord, there is no no. Do whatever he tells you to do today. He's waiting on you outside the camp. King Jesus, we lift up Mr. Bailey to you one more time today. We're so thankful for his ministry in our community. We're thankful for the kids that he, that he encourages, that he feeds. Father, we know that it's hard to have our spiritual bellies full if our physical bellies are growling. Thank you for, for his ministry to our kids. Thank you that he cares for them, that they, they know if there's one person in our community that's for them, it's Mr. Bailey. Thank you for that. Empower him to do what you've called him to do. Father, I pray for the rest of us. Maybe, maybe we're, so, we're so churched that we can't even understand that you're waiting for us outside. Maybe we've been looking for you in the wrong place. God, will you give us a passion Make us addicted to your presence where we fight to get in the presence of our king. And may our words be, yes, Lord. Whatever you say to us, we'll do. In Jesus' name, amen.